Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. This week is packed with timely topics and outstanding guests that will help us have Christ-centered clarity amid all this chaos. Today, we'll be celebrating the Christian heritage of our presidents with Bill Federer. Later this week, author James Bachman will help us have a biblical approach to dealing with preventing suicide. Mac Dominic will help us survive the world today, and Dr. Kenneth Hill will help equip us to deal with the wave of thought that the church has replaced Israel. Like I said, a packed week full of insight and encouragement. First, though, all of us at Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio Ministries want to say thank you to Faith Community Church and Hicks Road Baptist Church in Hudson, Florida, for sponsoring and hosting this past weekend's Prophecy in the News Live event. A large crowd heard Donald Perkins, Micah Van Hus, Josh Davis, Larry Stamm, Greg Patton, and Clayton Van Hus share truth from God's Word about the last days that we're living in, biblical mysteries, and how to have true victory in the invisible war on the saints. It was a wonderful time, and we all want to say thank you to the churches that helped make the event such a huge success. Our next event is coming up on March 8th and 9th in Bristol, Virginia. You're invited to come hear Bill Federer, Greg Patton, Micah Van Huss, and many others. Tickets are free, but the seating is limited, so it's important that you register today. Simply call 1-800-652-1144 or visit the events section at our website, swrc.com. Prophecy in the News Live, March 8th and 9th in Bristol, Virginia. Today is President's Day. Even though many Americans are unaware of the Christian heritage and backgrounds of a number of our leaders. To share the interesting details, here is our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino and historian Bill Federer. This is President's Day 2024. And for today's program, we have our dear friend Bill Federer on the show. He, of course, is the author of many books. Today, we're going to offer his book, Prayers and Presidents, Inspiring Faith from Leaders of the Past. As always, everything Bill Federer writes is inspiring, but also historically accurate. Thank you, Bill, for being on the show once again. Well, Larry, great to be with you. As we begin, let's focus on President George Washington. He was an amazing man, to say the least. He got us started in the right way and on the right path. Tell us about Washington. What are some of the things that uh, stand out in your mind about him? Well, President's Day is actually Washington's birthday. And it was in 1879, an act of Congress, all federal offices in 1885, And then in 1971, it was moved to Monday with the Uniform Monday Holiday Act. And then around that time, it got being called President's Day because Lincoln was also born in February. But it's officially Washington's birthday, Uh, February 22nd, 1732. Washington was unanimously chosen as the Army's Commander-in-Chief. He was unanimously chosen to be the President of the Constitutional Convention, unanimously chosen to be the first president of the United States and unanimously reelected to a second term. He was an Anglican and then after the revolution called Episcopalian, 
His great-great-grandfather was a Anglican minister in England, and when the Puritans took over and the Commonwealth of England, that's when his great-grandfather, John Washington, came to America as a merchant on a ship and was shipwrecked in river and swam ashore and was taken in by a house, fell in love with the daughter, decided to stay in America, became a landowner, and, and that's how Washington's family came to the country. He was a vestryman, and he was the godfather for several children in the Anglican Church, and just a tremendous leader. But the fact that he was so respected that he would be unanimously chosen as the president twice is one of the reasons I respect him so much is he had the power and he gave up the power. The army had not been paid for years and there was the Newburgh conspiracy where a bunch of generals were going to organize to march the army into New York City, which had been the capital of the country at the time. And basically to set up a military dictatorship and demand that all his men get paid. And Washington shows up at the Newburgh conspiracy, pulls a piece of paper out of his pocket and unfolds it and then pulls out of his pocket glasses, spectacles is what he called them. And he said, excuse me while I put these on, I've grown blind in the service of my country. And then he goes on to explain how all of their comrades gave their blood so they could break away from a king and all that will be wasted if they go back to fulfilling their plan and Newburgh conspiracy will just be another monarchy. And then he pulls up the piece of paper, puts it in his pocket, and walks out, and the whole Newburgh conspiracy collapsed. He could have said, okay, guys, let's go, and he could have marched in at the head of the army and been a, a king, but he did not. And then the Constitution did not specify how many terms a president could serve, and he decided two times was enough. And so every president out of respect for Washington's example, only served two terms until FDR got himself elected four times and then Congress passed the 22nd Amendment, limiting a president to two terms. But he had power, he gave up power. Uh, interesting story, Benjamin West, a painter, was in England painting a portrait of King George III as the war was wrapping up. And the king mentions to Benjamin West, what do they say this Washington is going to do now that he has defeated the king's army? And Benjamin West said, they say, your highness, that he's going to return to his farm. And the king says, if he does that, he truly will be the greatest man in the world. Right? The king's killed to get power. King's killed to keep power. Washington had the power and gave it up. And so that is in an era where you have corrupt people selling out their country to China and everybody else for money so they can stay in power. And Washington had that power and gave it up. To me, that's a, a tremendous example of a godly man. Right, right. Well, you know, a lot of what he wrote is so precise, so well-focused, and so memorably put. Did he have legal training? Or, I mean, how was he just smart? Or, well, maybe both. Right, so he... His father died when he was just a young teenager, and he wanted to go into the Navy like his older brother Lawrence had, and Lawrence pulled some strings. He was going to be a cabin boy on a British Navy ship, and the mom put her foot down and 
said that she didn't want him to pursue that career, and so he took his stuff off the boat, went back home, and became subject to her. And then when Lawrence comes back from serving, he actually fought with British Admiral Edward Vernon down in the Caribbean, Panama, Colombia, to fight the Spanish. And, and his brother Lawrence came back and named his farm after the Admiral Edward Vernon, so he named it Mount Vernon. <laughs> and um, when um, Lawrence died, the widow married into the Fairfax family, and George inherited the farm when he was around 17 years old. And so he's got this estate. And so he's the youngest and wealthiest bachelor in America. And he served in a, as a colonel in the French and Indian War. So he had military experience. And then he got involved in the politics in the area. He was also a vestryman in the Anglican Church, where they would you know, recite the Ten Commandments and the Nicene Creed and right. so forth. So, but he was not trained as an, as an attorney, but he did have a tremendous amount of experience. And because of that experience fighting in the war, when we were fighting the British, that's how his name came forward to be the commander of the Continental Army. Right. Well, I wonder, did he ever pray, God save the king? <laughs> I'm sure before the revolution he did. But when the revolution started is when he began to absent himself from the communion part of the service. Wow. And some people say, well, see, Washington wasn't receiving communion. It's like, no, he understood that it was being in union with the Anglican Church that had the king at the top, and he was fighting a war against the king at the top. Right. And out of good conscience, he couldn't say that I'm submitting to him and rebelling against him at the same time. And a matter of fact, that's when a lot of the founders began to filter out of the established Anglican Church and go to dissenting churches, which were the Baptists and the Presbyterians right. and eventually the Methodists and the others. And I believe uh, if—yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, he, he never had children. His wife had two children, a daughter and a son, and the daughter died when she was 16 years old. In George Washington's arm, she had an epileptic fit at the dinner table, and he like, held her, and she, he said the poor girl went on to a better place. Then the son ended up becoming an aide-de-camp to Washington and died at Yorktown of camp fever. So at the same time we win at Yorktown, great celebration, his, his wife's son died. And so that son had been married and had two little, little children, and Washington adopted those children as his own. And so... He basically, Martha's grandchildren were George Washington's adopted children, and the son became the father of the girl that Robert E. Lee married. So right. he was the father-in-law of Robert E. Lee. Interesting story of all of it sort of intertwined together. I know he, as far as I'm concerned, was an amazing man. I, I believe he wrote a book on manners or maybe uh, translated a book in French, translated into English. And um, I remember reading some of the things that he wrote about manners. It was like, you know, when you're eating at the table, don't pick your teeth. Always try to be punctual for dinner and just really down-to-earth, wholesome, good-sense things that he believed and wrote. 
And yet he was obviously a great leader of men and uh, had a obviously a wonderful personality, he was able to lead and inspire people. I think he was uh, an amazing person in every way. Right. It's 101 Rules of Civility, and yes. he hand-copied it. He also hand-copied a book of daily prayers. But they would say things like, stand up when uh, a woman comes in the room, address your father as sir and your mother as ma'am, and don't go into someone's house and look in the mirror at yourself all the time like a peacock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but he was a strong Christian. In his orders to his troops, after the declaration had been read out loud, July 9th, 1776, he says, the general hopes and trusts that every officer and man will endeavor to live and act as becomes a Christian soldier, defending the dearest rights and liberties of our country. He had... To the, another place out, Valley Forge, he said, to the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to laud the more distinguished character of Christian. Indian, Delaware Indian chiefs brought some sons to be trained in, in American education, and Washington said, May 12, 1779, you do well to wish to learn our arts and way of life, and above all, the religion of Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah, I, you know, I think when I look at where we are now and how we started, it's always a, a solemn reminder that we have to be diligent, that we have to be watchmen on the wall, declare what we see, and never take anything for granted. And one of the things I've noticed just in my meager study of history is that governments have a way of getting out of control, overreaching. I think uh, because Washington believed in God, there was humility. But as we come into our age today, atheism is the rage, you might say. So actually, the president, or like President Xi in China, he becomes the spokesman, the divine spokesman, who can make no wrong, do no wrong, and therefore, he doesn't allow any independent thought. But when I read about Washington, there was a wonderful, wonderful balance in him. And I think that's because of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and because he believed the Bible. That's central. And I think if we learn anything from what's happening today is when men depart from the Word of God, watch out. You know, he had an army that was filled full of people of different denominations. And he realized that we all had to work together to fight against the king. Right. And he wrote a letter to Marquis de Lafayette, August 15, 1787, and he said, I am no less ardent in my wish that you may succeed in your plan of toleration in religious matters. Being no bigot myself of any mode of worship, I am disposed to indulge the professors of Christianity in the church with that road to heaven, which to them seems the most direct, plainest, easiest, and the least liable to exception. And so he even though he was Episcopal after the war, he was tolerant of the other different right. Christian denominations. And then he even had Jews that he wrote letters to, that every man sit under a fig tree and have his own vine and, and so forth. So a Judeo-Christian. Well, friends, we're visiting with Bill Federer. We're offering his book, Prayers and Presidents, Inspiring Faith from Leaders of the Past. Bill writes in a warm, inspiring manner. I love learning history from Bill Federer, and certainly 
He knows a lot of historically accurate facts. You'll want a copy of Prayers and Presidents. Our toll-free number, 1-800-652-1144. We do want to say a few things about Abraham Lincoln, but one more thought or one more question on Washington. Bill, if you were leading a Sunday school class of teenage boys today in our pluralistic, mixed-up society, what would you tell these teenage boys about George Washington? His tremendous faith and courage. He had a understanding that God had a plan for his life, and he would not die until that plan was completed. And so he was very courageous in battle. One was the Battle of Princeton in the January of 1777, and the Americans did a surprise attack on the British, and some of the Americans started running away, and Washington runs to the front of the line, orders the men to stop running away, orders them to follow him, rides with his horse within 30 yards of the advancing British, turns to his men and says, aim, fire, and they fire past Washington at the British. Well, then the British returned the fire. And the one American soldier, an Irishman, Fitzpatrick, he said, I pulled my hat over my eyes because I did not want to see Washington die because he was in the middle of both sides shooting. And the smoke clears, and Washington is on his horse waving, charge. And so the men charged and captured 800 of the British there at the Battle of Princeton. But at that one moment, that that was the only American army. We didn't have a second one hiding out somewhere. That was the army. And the Continental Congress had disbanded in Philadelphia. And they sent Washington a note that said, until further notice, you're in charge of America. (laughs) (laughs) All things concerning a contest with great, you're in charge. So the whole thing was resting on one man and his courage and not running away. Right. Amen. What an example. Well, Bill, tell tell us a few things about Lincoln. Now, wasn't Lincoln born on exactly the same date as Charles Darwin, February the 12th, 1809? Yeah, this is amazing. The exact same date. So Lincoln is best known for issuing the Emancipation Proclamation, which freed millions of slaves, about 4 million. And he said that all men were created equal in his Gettysburg Address. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Well, guess what? Darwin says that men are not created. They're evolved, <laughs> and some are more evolved than others, and so they're not equal. And Darwin's Origin of Species, where he advocates survival of the fittest, was read by Karl Marx. And Marx used this to validate his theory of the ruling class are on top and they're supposed to be on top because it's communism and you have this smart bureaucracy, deep state bureaucracy that knows how to distribute everything and everybody else is lower, less involved and they're down there, poor people that just need to be told what to do. Marx wrote, Darwin's book is very important and serves me as a basis in natural selection for the class struggle in history. So here, Karl Marx influence communism. Communism is responsible for millions of people being enslaved. Yeah. So where Lincoln is known for freeing the slaves, Darwin's known for helping to provide a philosophy to enslave. And then Lincoln, his last act before he died, he signed the bill to put in God we trust on our coins. It was a um, 
Secretary of State Salmon Portland Chase said that Lincoln told him the time for the enunciation of the emancipation can no longer be delayed. Public sentiment will sustain it. And I promised God that I will do it. And Chase asked, and he said, I made a solemn promise, vowed that if General Lee were driven back from Pennsylvania, I'd crown the result with the Declaration of Freedom to the Slaves. And so Lincoln said in 1862, August 14th, it's difficult to make a man miserable while he feels he is worthy of himself and claims kindred to the great God who made him. So Darwin is known for undermining belief in God and that things evolved so he didn't have a God. And so where Lincoln, again, is noted for putting God we trust on our coin, Darwin's known for a belief that undermined God. Lincoln's known for freeing the slaves. Darwin's teaching, influencing Marx and communism is used to enslave. So wheat and tares grow together, together till the harvest. You have yes. Yeah, Isaac and Ishmael came from the same womb, but they were you know one was the child of promise of and so Jacob and Esau. Here you have two guys born the same day when their lives had opposite effects. Yes, that's so true. And I think, uh, as you were speaking about Lincoln and Washington, I think the Christian theistic view maintains human dignity. But when you look at communism, when you look at atheism, human beings are nothing. They're just, well, we can manipulate them and uh, use them for the ideology. The ideology comes before human value. But in the, the Christian theistic perspective, Wow, human dignity stands high, and what a, what a sorrow that we've departed so radically from the Word of God. Well, thank you, Bill, for your wonderful, wonderful ministry, all your books and articles, and the many, many times you've spoken for Southwest Radio Ministries in our conferences. God bless you mightily. God bless you. Today in our Resource Center, we are spotlighting Bill Federer's excellent book, Prayers and Presidents, Inspiring Faith from Leaders of the Past. This book is a great source of inspiration for any student of history. You will be uplifted and challenged by reading Prayers and Presidents. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order Prayers and Presidents at our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Prayers and Presidents, Inspiring Faith from Leaders of the Past by Bill Federer. 1-800-652-1144. All of us at Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio Ministries want to say thank you to Faith Community Church and Hicks Road Baptist Church in Hudson, Florida for sponsoring and hosting this past weekend's Prophecy in the News Live event. A large crowd heard Donald Perkins, Micah Van Hus, Josh Davis, Larry Stam, Greg Patton, and Clayton Van Hus share truth from God's Word about the last days that we're living in, biblical mysteries, and how to have true victory in the invisible war on the saints. It was a wonderful time, and we all want to say thank you to the churches that helped make the event such a huge success. Our next event is coming up on March 8th and 9th in Bristol, Virginia. You're invited to come hear Bill Federer, Greg Patton, Micah Van Hus, and many others. Tickets are free, but the seating is limited, so it's important that you register today 
simply call 1-800-652-1144 or visit the events section at our website, swrc.com. Prophecy in the News Live, March 8th and 9th in Bristol, Virginia. Friends, we're so glad you're here today. If you're a new listener to Watchmen on the Wall, make sure you request your new listener pack. Inside, you'll find the latest issue of our Prophetic Observer newsletter and a special gift. Request your free new listener pack when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Let me encourage you to check out this year's SWRC calendar. Each year, Watchmen on the Wall and SWRC presents its prophecy calendar. This special resource benefits you and the prisoners we serve through our Onesimus Prison Outreach Ministry. This year, the calendar is truly spectacular, with stunning pictures from the Holy Land and added bonuses that I know you'll enjoy. Southwest Radio Ministries creates this unique calendar filled with scripture, comfort, and inspiration from God's Word. We also partner with each of you who purchase a calendar to encourage prisoners in our Onesimus Prison Ministry. For every calendar you order, a calendar will be given to a prisoner free of charge. Order your calendar and encourage a prisoner. Calendars are ready to ship today. Order yours when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order on our website, swrc.com. Friends, if you have a prayer need, would you let us pray for you? We consider it an honor to pray with you. Prayer requests come in from all over the country through the mail, on the phone, and now through a special email address, prayer at swrc.com. That's prayer at swrc.com. Or you can always just give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. I want to encourage you to visit the Resource Center on our website, swrc.com. There, you'll find over 1,000 books and DVDs by the nation's top teachers, Bible prophecy, biblical mysteries, and the latest archaeology and apologetics are all found at swrc.com. That's swrc.com. The latest resources from Billy Crone, Lonnie Shipman, Micah Van Huss and Josh Davis are all found at swrc.com. And available for the very first time, the entire Columbus, Ohio Prophecy Conference, all 12 speakers, 20 total presentations, all one complete DVD set. Topics include secret societies, invisible war on the saints, the earth as it was, Jewish roots of Christianity, the unveiling of the Antichrist, One World Update, and much more. And included in this complete set is Jonathan Kahn's presentation on the Josiah Manifesto. Order the complete Columbus Conference DVD set today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order this complete set at our website, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Greg Patton and author James Bachman will begin a brand new series sharing a biblical, practical approach to suicide prevention. So be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by downloading our SWRC mobile app 
or simply subscribe to our daily podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com.